You're listening to the Mind Made Wrong podcast, presented by Steel Maggie, episode number 11. beautiful creators. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic today. I know I am because I am getting to record my sixth Mind Made Wrong interview. This is bananas, but so, so cool. And I'm excited because today I'm able to talk to such a mental health focused artist with such a strong mindset stance. Just a great fit for everything we talk about here on Mind Made Wrong together. I know you're going to love it. Um, I met this person engaging in the crazy fast growing make pop music community on Facebook. It's so good to have a place to meet and interact with these artists and producers all over the country who are really working hard, really in the trenches, making it happen. And so I would, I'm so honored to introduce you guys to my super inspiring guest artist here today. This is Matt Mulkey, aka Mulkey. It's great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me, Mariah. Um, I'm doing great. Um, today's been super easy day. Just ran some errands and stoked to get to talk to you and share a little bit more about my story and what's been going on. Absolutely. And before I always do this for everyone, before we get into the nuts and bolts, I want you to tell everyone where we can find you right off the bat on social media, um, internet. I would great. say that you're in a great world. The easiest way is just to go to my website, which would be molkey.com, and that's M-O-L-E-K-E-Y.com. Um, it links to all my socials, to my blog, um, to the music links, everything. So, oh, yes. Yeah, all of that goes in the show notes as well. So I'll put, I'll put every, everywhere we can find you. I just want to get that out of the way. So to start, I want to hear the 60-second commercial for Molky, how you got started as that, that artist, that vision? Um, well, I grew up just kind of in um, really like hardcore music uh, and the metal scene, um, always playing guitar and singing harmonies and things like that, backup vocals. Um, <clears throat> shortly after high school, got into like a couple other different projects, more indie rock or alternative rock. And then um, even a worship project and then back into hardcore. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of got caught up in the working world um, and then realized that I had to keep pursuing music to be happy and um, finally decided to kind of pursue um, a career as a solo artist. Um, so this is kind of my first time, um, will be my first time performing solo or anything like that and creating music kind of by myself or uh, I'm still working, collaborating with others, but yeah. Always. How different is that for you? I mean, it's the first time, but how, what's, what's the separation? Is there anything that stands I, out? This is completely way different than being in all these other, um, more collaborative. Yeah. I, I honestly love not being in a band anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, um, I just think with all the energy and intense personalities and if you're not all on the same page, you know, in terms of the band name, the branding, um, what you're writing about, what the lyrics are about, um, you know, the, even the vibe of the music, 
um, it can be kind of difficult. So um, it's been great just to kind of have really full control or to be able to pick, um, you know, which producer you want to work with and say, hey, you know, these are my influences. I want to create music around this and then be able to pull in a writer too if you want help writing. And um, it's, it's all, you know, it's more focused on your vision and what you want. Um, I think it's really hard to find that in a band, but when you do find it, you, you do have those super special projects. So, yes, that's, it's hard to hit the sweet spot. You know, sometimes you are your own. Um, I, I feel that, I feel that in my soul. That's definitely me. So tell me about the, uh, title Mulkey. Is that just a wordplay on your last name or is there something deeper behind it? Um, yeah, it's just wordplay on my last name. Okay. Um, I figured, I figured it would be easier to, pronounce it that way and people to know what it says but <laughs> I feel like it's been harder um, <laughs> so I don't know I just wanted to go with the spelling when I do describe it or if you know on stage can say you know it's like a mole that you have on your face and then a key you know to get in your car or house I just felt like that was easier to describe the name versus spelling it out m-u-l-k-e-y so but you didn't field test it before. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then my friend's like, no, nah, you should just left it your last name. I'm like, well, it's too late. So. I've got the domain name. I've got all the. <laughs> yeah. That also, I think that played a factor in it too. I think <laughs> the having the URL and just being .com was uh, kind of cool. So I just wanted to brand it a little bit differently. And and I've never heard anyone with that, obviously. So it's it's yeah. your own, you know? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, so going along with the theme, the title of this podcast, Mind Made Wrong, we're going to completely switch gears here. Was there ever a moment in your life when you felt or believed your mind was made wrong? Yes, um, I would say it was back whenever I got diagnosed with bipolar one disorder, mm. uh, ADHD. So um the time leading up to that, I kind of felt like I was going crazy or I felt like something was wrong. Um, something wasn't right. I had even talked to my parents. I was like, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to get a brain scan or something like something. I feel like something's up. Um, and so that would be definitely the first time where I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think something's right. And, you know, looking back and, um, kind of going through my own little therapy process through it all and figuring, figuring things out. Um, I realized I was in a really bad environment and that was playing into, um, you know, how my mind felt. So I think that that's a huge part. And sometimes if anyone does feel like something's gone wrong in their mind to kind of think about your environment or maybe things you've been through, um, that could be affecting it to maybe react a little bit differently. So, okay, great, great, great answer. Um, can we talk about that environment a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess leading up to my diagnosis, um, I got back into just working full time. Um, I was working at a merchandising company selling t-shirts mainly um, and managing clothing lines. And um, <clears throat> I was doing extremely well for myself. I was 25 at the time. Um, I think I ended up making like $103,000 that year. Um, I didn't even finish. <laughs> my like entire year at the company I only worked up until September um so I didn't wow. even go into the holidays where I made most of my money um so I was doing extremely well but as you can imagine being 25 
having that much money, buying your, you know, I bought a townhouse, I was trying to invest it wisely. Um, you would imagine it comes with a, a, a big, a big deal of stress. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm 25. I, I, I can't imagine having, <laughs> making that much money. Yeah, I was, I was extremely stressed out and, you know, the work environment at the time wasn't the best. Um, communication wasn't, wasn't flowing properly, you know, through all the channels at work. Um, and it was just, it was hard to just keep, keep your sanity. Um, I was managing, you know, like I said, three different clothing lines, uh, three or four different lines at the time. Um, an artist who was on a major label and then, um, some veteran clothing lines that were absolutely killing it. Um, so yeah, my environment at the time and ended up being, um, I guess not, not really the best. Um, I ended up getting on medication because I was so stressed out. Um, I actually ended up, th uh, throwing up or so I had nausea really bad for about six months and every morning I would end up getting sick before work. Um, because of the medication? No, this was before any medication. Um, oh. I was just, I was getting sick. I was losing weight. I weighed like 140 and then I got all the way down to like 110. <gasps> um, yeah, I just, For I a 25-year-old man, that's... Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm rather short, so I'm like 5'7". So I'm, I'm still rather small. I still only weigh around like 120 or so. So I've never gained all my weight back at that time. But I was also drinking. I was smoking cigarettes. Um you know, I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of my body and, um, combine that with a stressful work environment. Um, it, it made for a bad combo. So, um, for like six months I was super sick and then, um, I ended up getting on, uh, Vyvanse and had just kind of realized like, you know, maybe it was, I felt so overwhelmed that I couldn't manage everything that was going on. Um, it was like something just switched inside me. And, um, as soon as I started taking Vyvanse, uh, all my nausea stopped. Um, can you, can you tell, what is that? What is that? Is uh, Vyvanse is like, uh, Adderall. Um, okay. It's a, it's like for ADHD basically. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of like what we were ruling it out as in a sense. Um, uh, it's just like, I had so much more work that I hadn't, I hadn't, I guess, encountered that kind of environment before. Um, I wasn't ever in an environment where I was so stressed out every single day um, to where I just couldn't quit thinking about work. Um, so once I got on Vyvanse, uh, I, you know, I, I quit throwing up. Um, I was managing stuff better at work. I f honestly felt like I was a superhuman. Um, <laughs> and um, at the time, um, there's like a month after I started just acting differently, even though I was working better and I could take on the workload. Um, my mind really felt like weird. It was the first time where like, I couldn't shut it off. I'd go to sleep and then I'd wake up and it felt like I never even went to sleep. Um, okay. I could go to bed at four and I could wake up at six and it was like, I was ready to go. Um, I've been there. <laughs> yeah just pop pop the pop the vibe ants went back you know went to work um and just kind of went on with my day um so it got so bad that i guess like at night i literally like was just staring at the wall one night and my girlfriend at the time was like matt 
like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, I'm just zoned, like zoned out. Um, I didn't have like much of a personality towards the end of the day, really. Um, I started losing it on people um, at work. Like, as soon as someone did something wrong, if a shirt was printed wrong or, you know, the goods didn't come in time, I would just, I would lose my shit. And um, it got so bad, I started like chewing people out just because they messed up, um, you know, did something wrong. And um, I would send long emails chewing people out and just like, I, I completely became a different person. And um, it got to the point boss. Yeah, and it got to the point where I just, um, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I literally had just had it. Like the environment was so bad, I was losing my mind, and I just quit. I quit taking the medicine cold turkey because um, I felt like it was making me crazy. Um, I ended up being prescribed like sixty milligrams, and I still, like I said at the time, weighed like one ten, one fifteen. So that was way um, too much for you. Way too much. Yeah. So, um, long story short, it ended up, um, basically triggering my bipolar disorder. Um, for like the next two years, I lived in a state of mania pretty much. Um, after I left my job, you know, I left it abruptly kind of, um, not on the best terms. Um, I quit taking the medication, um, I started work at a startup. Um, and then I started a whole other company for another person um, or for like, I got, I got hired basically to start another company. And then um, I was also had my own clothing brand that I had with my buddy. Um, he had co he had founded the company and then I came in like an investor and then he gave me a percentage of the company. Um, so I was a co-owner of a, of a lifestyle clothing brand and we were growing pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was also trying to start a whole another new music project. That's a uh, lot going on. <laughs> and then I was also, I, I wasn't work, working on my solo stuff yet, but I was doing a ton. Um, and I had gotten married within those two years. Um, and it got to a point where my marriage started getting, you know, it wasn't the best. Um, I've heard, you know, the first couple of years are pretty, pretty rough. Um, but it got to the point where my, my wife was just like, you know, Matt, like something, something's not right with you. Yeah. Um, you, you need to go get something checked out. Um, so I did, um, <laughs> I went to a doctor and before I went to the doctor, I had looked up, you know, a diagnosis of, or I had looked up, you know, what bipolar disorder was. And I was like, yeah, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is what I have going on. Um, and I was constantly in mania or I was super depressed. Um, I was starting to have suicidal thoughts. Um, it was just, I got into like this super weird place. Um, and yeah, it just, all of that led to a very toxic environment. Um, and it wasn't until I got diagnosed that I feel like, um, I really finally started to understand myself and understand my mind and the way it worked. Um, and yeah, that's, <laughs> I kind of ran it a little bit, but that was, um, in a nutshell, you know, the environment that was created and, um, that ended up, you know, really, really affecting my mind. Um, 
Well, that's exactly what I wanted to hear because we need to hear the full story. And I think the point of the whole thing is that, is that it's that awareness is that once you reached that awareness of, oh, this is why, this is why I kept being in this spiral and this, this cycle, at least that's what it was like for me, um, is because of this thing, of this little, little kink in my brain. And then mm -hmm. once you know that, once you have that awareness, then you can change something in your mindset and you can move from there. Because if you don't know, then yeah. you're always going to be lost. And yeah. I really, it's so good that you, because some people don't, don't ever find it. So um, it seems to me that the, 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 that straw on the camel's back was your marriage um, yeah, I think my, our, you know, when I had gotten married, um, we just, we weren't communicating properly and I was having, I was really having episodes, I was having episodes at work. Um, we worked together at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just, I was starting to lose it. I felt like I was still on medication still. Like I felt like I was still on Vyvanse on some days and that's because I was in mania. Mm -hmm. um, I literally, I felt high. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't taking anything. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when I had gotten diagnosed, I brought up being medicated and stuff before. Um, if you look up on Vyvanse's website, if bipolar runs in your family, you're not supposed to take it because it can trigger it. Um, no. Oh, my goodness. So I had I had no idea that it was even, you know, I guess can be in your DNA or whatever. I know there's they, they don't know. There's theories behind all of it. But um, does it run in your family? No one's been diagnosed, but I definitely see, I see it. Um, I see, I can see it within certain aspects certain, of my family. Yeah. yeah. So um, mental health was never talked about really with me growing up. Um, and, you know, I've had anxiety and depression all, you know, all the way back to when I was probably, uh, I mean, even second grade. Um, I constantly remember never wanting to go to school and my stomach hurting. Um, there was a recent article that I ran across of how, you know, kids don't know what anxiety is. And when they feel it and they experience it at a young age, they, you know, they'll tell, they'll tell you or whoever that their stomach's hurting. And so it could be something you think it's eating for a long time. I thought it was stuff I was eating when I was little, but it was anxiety. Um, I didn't want to go, go to school to, you know, see certain people or experience certain things that I experienced on a pretty regular basis. So Oh my uh, God, I had that. I never, I realized, I, th I just thought I was a sick kid all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't ever oh. sick. It was just, it was anxiety. It was just the energy. Um, and I grew up in, um, my dad's a pastor, you know, still is, same church for the past 30 years. So I grew up in a very, um, you know, biblical, spiritual household. So it was just always to pray about things. Um, mm -hmm. So it was... It, it's weird now getting into the mental health world and just seeing how much you, <laughs> how much your environment can affect you, um, really. So. Yes, and I, I was going to ask this question later, but I want to ask it now since you started talking about um, your background. I come from also a very religious background, and um, while I'm not personally religious, my my lyrics and my artistry has 
you know, a lot of strong symbolism. And when I was um, reading your blog, I was noticing um, that you have kind of like some strong ties back to your faith. And I think when what you were reading, um, Mm -hmm. what you were writing and what I was reading. And I loved hearing that perspective. And I'm sure that a number of people listening have a faith of some sort. Do you draw a link between the two, between mental health and faith? Do you think there's a, there can be a symbiotic relationship there? Definitely. What's your experience? Definitely. I mean, prayer is meditation in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always grew up wondering, like, you know, there's things in the Bible that talks about praying, you know, consistently, like all day long. And um, as, you know, I just began to kind of open my mind up more and, you know, not really put anything in a box. You know, I realized just just praying in a sense, it's just like you're, you're just you're taking care of your mind, really. Um, if you really think about it, if you're praying consistently and just thanking God for things or you know, thanks for not letting me get hit through that red light. Just always being appreciative. Just there's studies that show practicing gratitude will change things in your brain and help you be a happier person. So realizing just having those quiet times, that's your meditation time. Um, I think there is a link between lots of things. I think lots of things are connected. I think lots of the religions are connected. Um, so yeah, I'm still figuring it all out, but I definitely, um, you know, I definitely tie things back to my faith. Um, I write a lot of things, un, you know, in a, in a weird undertone. Yeah. Uh, the way that it can be applied universally. I uh, noticed that. Yeah, listening to you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can see that. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. You have, you have, a, very, you have a, a consistent voice, which mm -hmm. I have a uh, verbal lyrical voice, which I really, I really enjoy. So it's good to have that nice, consistent uh, root running through. Um, someone's yeah. someone's lyricism yeah yeah so you would say that at least it's what it seems to me is that this this is one of the su successes for you is when you pray or meditate so you would really actually call it call it prayer for you yeah and I would I would say I see a link between it because during the time where my mental health got extremely bad I, I wasn't praying and I, I didn't believe then. Oh, okay. I went through a period where I didn't believe in God anymore and I quit praying and I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't believe in anything. I was just trying to, trying to figure it out still. Um, so it wasn't until I had a, um, a weird breaking point. So like, I don't know. So <clears throat> I'll be super honest and just kind of transparent about some things I haven't, I've never shared it. Um, Okay. Like publicly before. I have on a podcast, but it's never aired. <laughs> um, okay. But um, I'm, I, have, I have like more of a different stance on medication. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, 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 I know I have a strong voice in it and my blog and I need to write more on it um, because it seems like I'm like this super anti-medication person, which I'm not. Um, I've been medication. I've been medicated. I've I know if I was prescribed Adderall, I would, I would function better. Um, but I don't want to be relying on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've been through a period where, um, right when I got diagnosed, I was medicated and I was put on a mood stabilizer. And I know you can, there's a whole process of going through it, but there's a certain time where it kept upping and upping my dose. 
I kept feeling weirder and weirder, more and more not like myself. Um, my anxiety was really bad. It was, it was like this weird anxiety where I could feel it, but I didn't care about it. Yeah. Um, and then it got to a point where he wanted to put me back on Vyvanse. And I was like, no, I was like, I would never do that. And it got to the point where I started having like weird, um, weird suicidal thoughts again. And so I was like, this isn't like, I don't know what's going on. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't until I took some sort of medication that was supposed to help me. And then when I did that, it felt like my entire brain changed. Like it felt like a seal was, had always been under my skin. Like there's this breaking point where like, I don't know, when you get in an argument with someone and you really finally tell them off for the first time, um, there's a certain point in your life where like you don't ever do that. You know what I'm saying? There's a certain point where you finally get in a fight where you're like, wow, that's what that feels like to really tell someone like how you feel about them. Um, that's how it felt. Yeah. It felt like I experienced that, but it, I couldn't ever go back. It was like the seal was completely broken after. Oh, I had yeah. Like the floodgates just. Yeah. It yeah. And it, yeah. Never, it was never able to shut. Mm -hmm. And so I quit taking my mood stabilizer, which is, totally typical for anyone that's diagnosed with bipolar. Any, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. And um, it's kind of like I had this really strong, I knew my roots, like I still kind of believed in God and I just knew like, you know, I feel like I know how I can figure this out. Like I know like I just need to honestly get in a better environment I was starting to figure these things out but I had this brain fog I had this this like I don't know this intense fog where like I just couldn't do anything I couldn't function um it's kind of like you know you're eating bad and you need to exercise but you just keep refusing to do it yeah, <laughs> month, it's definitely month. it's definitely a depressive you yeah. know one of those yeah. valleys yeah um so yeah and so I got to a point where just I did not want to be here anymore. Um, mm -hmm. My marriage was terrible. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was terrible. It was just like you. I just knew something was off. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just I was thinking of ways to just exit the world uh, and not be here. And I was like, this isn't right. Like, this isn't normal either. Um, I really don't know what to do. I was like, I really need to go talk to someone. So I wanted to try therapy. Uh, I wanted to go see a counselor. So I did. Um, I told him what was going on and told him the thoughts I was having. He's like, well, you know, are you on medication? I was like, no, I'm not. Um, I'm just trying. I was taking CBD oil um, and I smoked marijuana um, or cannabis. I mean, you know, I still smoke cannabis pretty regularly. Um, and uh, I was like, no, you know, I just, I just smoke cannabis. And I, you know... I'm trying to eat better. I'm trying to do certain things. And, um, he's like, okay. Um, and we talked for a little bit and before I booked the appointment, I told him, I was like, I really don't want to go on medication. Like I'm trying to deal with this in a more natural way and just, um, you know, really change my environment and things like that. And he's like, all right, well, he's like, I really don't feel comfortable seeing you unless you're medicated. It's like, I can't be responsible for anything. If you do decide to like, you know, do something, you told me you were having these thoughts. He's like, I need to make sure since you are diagnosed that you're, you know, you are medicated. And it just kind of blew my mind <laughs> that 
he knew before I came in that I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to do that. And then it just, I don't know, it just kind of blew my mind that he wouldn't help me or talk with me unless I was on medication. Um, yeah. And that kind of like triggered things even more for me. So I was like, I literally feel hopeless right now. Um, so I had always wanted to try LSD. <laughs> so okay. I got some LSD from a buddy and I, you know, told my wife, I was like, you know, I've, I've been researching these other ways. I've been studying ways of that. They're using psychedelics to, um, help in the mental health world. Um, I've heard people doing ayahuasca trips and completely quitting alcohol. You know, they've been addicted to drugs for years and it's completely changed their lives. So I've, um, you know, I was hardcore into the Reddit world and <laughs> you know, reading all the just the the personal stories from people and personal tes- testimonies. So I was listening to Joe Rogan podcasts. I was listening to, you know, other people who had bipolar disorder and other people who had borderline and talking about them doing psychedelics, you know, once a month or here and there just to like remain stable or reset themselves. Um, so I started to study psychedelics, you know, sometime in this point of me not wanting to be here anymore. And um, I was like, you know what? I was like, maybe this, maybe I'll try this. Like, maybe I'll just try it once and like, see if I feel different. Like I did mushrooms in high school and like, it was cool. And like, you know, I did it recreationally, but, um, uh, I've never just tried to actually like focus on myself and like, um, use it in a helpful medicinal way. And, okay. Um, I'm so, so curious. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I tripped on LSD with my, one of my best friends, you know, since elementary school. And, um, it was the first time that I was totally okay with not being in control. Uh, my mind had got to such a poor state that anytime I lost control over something or anytime something happened that I didn't like, I was triggered and I immediately was like angry. I was immediately upset. I didn't mm-hmm. immediately have an episode. Um, I looked at my buddy. I was like, man, I was like, this is the first time. Like, I don't care what happens right now. Like, I feel great. Like, I feel amazing. You know, I was having a typical, you know, acid trip. And um, it was just, it was crazy. Um, the whole experience led me, you know, I, I felt God again through the experience. I felt his presence. Um, again, I was a typical, you feel connected. You feel like you're, you know, rooted to the, to the earth. Um, trees feel different, you know, outside look different. Um, but it's something like, man, I just, I just felt God. And um, me, you know, maybe my environment of me growing up my entire life and being raised how I was led to that feeling. I, I don't know, but it was one of the realest things I've ever really experienced. And, um, the night was, it was like 3 a.m. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go home. I felt like, you know, while we were coming down and um, I didn't know anything about coming, the whole come down part of it. And so I decided to drive home and I thought the trip was over. Uh, well, it wasn't. So um, <laughs> I like, I got followed by a cop while I was driving home. And, oh my God. Like, I literally thought my whole world was going to end. And you could imagine, you know, just taking a tab of LSD and experiencing that you're going to have a little bit of an ego death. Like you're, you just, you're going to go through a traumatic experience. Um, and I like, I made it home. Like I made it home safe. But during that time I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm 20, 
28 years old at the time. I'm tripping on LSD with my best friends from elementary school. I'm married. I got dogs. Like we don't, we didn't have kids, but like we had dogs. We had a house. Dogs for like, kids. <laughs> what, am, what am I doing? Like what am I doing right now? And, yeah, I just uh, got tailed by a police officer. And no, I, <laughs> yeah, I could have just lost everything. Like, yeah. And um, you know, I just it was weird. So that whole experience when I got home was definitely weird. Um, I woke my wife up. I had like been standing, I was like standing over her when I got home and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm not in reality right now. I guess I was going through like a little bit of psychosis coming off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she sat with me and, um, calmed me down and she went back to bed. And <laughs> during that time, it was like, I don't know, like God was just talking to me in a way of like, just reminding me of everything that I had been through every time he had saved me every time that I should have been in trouble. Um, I could just, I, it was very, he made it very clear. I was able to like, it pulled back these memories that I wasn't able to access anymore. Like I've, it brought up things I hadn't thought about in years and years and years. And I was like, man, (laughs) I don't know. Like, what am I doing right now? And like, I'm screwing up and I've been running from you. I've been running from everything really. Um, I've been doing music for the wrong reasons. I've been pursuing everything in life for the wrong reasons. Like I completely just lost myself. Um, I didn't know who I was anymore. And that experience, you know, you, you read about people having weird religious, spiritual experiences when they do psychedelics. And, you know, I was, I just, I could say I'm definitely one of those people who it, it made me believe in God again. And I think God works in weird, mysterious ways and he can use whatever he needs to use to get your attention and talk to you in whatever way that he needs to. Um, and I think I got to a point where that's kind of what it took. That was my low point. And, um, the next day I, I felt different. Um, I was in the car with my wife when we were going down to Atlanta and going shopping and, um, I was reading something to her and she was like, Matt, she's like, you didn't stutter. Like you don't have any pressured speech. Like you don't seem like manic or anything right now. I was like, yeah, it's weird. I feel really weird. Like I feel really different right now. Um, and we went to like buy like crystals and rocks and um, like we were looking into that stuff. And I always thought that stuff was just like bogus. And that was the first time where like I, I could feel energies. Um, we were in this place called Pont City Market and it was so crowded that I was like, I got to get out of here. Like there's too many people right now. And of course I had just, you know, I had just done LSD the day before, but it was obviously still affecting me. And it was just weird. It was the first time where like, it just opened up my mind to this whole other world that obviously exists, that is real, that a lot of people don't think about. So long story short, I, I it, it, it definitely changed something in me for a couple of weeks. Um, I then started looking up more, more stuff on it. And I found a guy, I forgot what his name is, but he was like on staff or board over in like the UK or somewhere um, mm-hmm. where they're like drug and alcohol stuff. And he actually lost his job because he was letting people know cannabis was actually like, it doesn't kill as many people as alcohol does. And he was like referencing that they should, you know, maybe, reconsider things with cannabis and alcohol was killing all these people and he ended up losing his job over it. Um, well, I think he's like the first guy to do a brain scan 
of someone who had taken LSD and I'll send you a link to it. But in in the interview that he talks about, he shows your brain's actually lit up on fire and that your brain's talking to areas that it hasn't talked to before. Um, And I think that's, you hear people about, you know, like Steve Jobs and people in, in California microdosing on LSD to like, you know, help with work things and be more creative. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, I think there's vice articles and medium articles and everything like that out there on it. And, um, there's people who document their entire experience. And, uh, so he started talking about it in that video and, um, he was saying about, um, basically what happens like in your brain and how your brain kind of establishes these patterns and these like these pathways and so like when a reaction happens your brain usually goes down this pathway and these walls are set up so it makes sense was you know i'm thinking okay well someone with bipolar disorder if you have a trigger and something happens your brain's going to react in a way and what people say with bipolar disorder is it progresses and progresses if you're not on medication to like stay stable um and that the roots and those pathways get deeper and deeper and deeper and it becomes harder for you to change your actions. Um, and he was saying how basically when, whenever you take an LSD, it actually breaks down these walls. Whoa, really? It allows your brain to make connections that it's not used to making. So it allows you to make those other decisions and things like that. So I was like, okay, well that's kind of cool. Um, so I ended up microdosing on LSD for like six weeks. Um, after my first experience, my first experience was in December and then from like the beginning of January sometime and mm-hmm. to February, I ended up microdosing on it. Um, and I will say it literally saved my life. Um, I will say I'm still here today because of it. And I'm pursuing music because of a lot of it. And it all led me getting back to my faith. Um, it led me to believe in God again and, you know, starting a personal relationship with Jesus Christ again. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I believe in. And if, if all of that took to get to that point, then, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> um, but during those six weeks, um, that's, that's really when I like decided to get back to doing music and realized like that's what I was created for and needed to pursue to be happy and was the environment that I needed to really live my life and to live you know, life the best way I can live it. Um, and really, I mean, through all this process, I, I basically went through psychotherapy in my mind for six weeks by myself. Um, they go and they have these sessions with therapists and things like that. And um, psychiatrists, like I think over in the Netherlands or Switzerland or somewhere like that, they have these things outside of the U.S. already going on in conventions where they're studying uh, psycho. Uh, psychedelics it's like psycho assisted therapy type stuff um so yeah i kind of did it on my own i read articles and was studying things every day i was researching um you know what was going on in my brain and um i wouldn't say i cured myself but i was able to break a lot of triggers um i was you know able to really just have this weird ego death and still remain having a super open mind about things and then um, you know, the Bible was making more sense during this time. Um, I started praying again during the six weeks, every, like every day. Um, yeah, it just, it completely changed my life. Um, and so, yeah, 
I would say um, I've had one episode since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been a year or so. So I've been stable for over a year. I don't take medication or anything like that. Um, but I do have, you know, certain routines and things that I do to try to stay stable. Um, I still go through depressive periods and when I do go through those, um, I have, you know, microdose on mushrooms or things like that, um, to try to help during those periods and try to get out of the funk. Um, I just, I like resorting to more natural things, um, and things that I can try to do and change to really be in the best environment. That's wild. I, my mind is blown. Yeah, it's I'm, a I'm all this stuff up. I, this, these show notes are going to be like chock full of links. It's just going to be all links. So, and I don't, and I like, this is just, this is literally, this is just my story, but I do believe I do. I will be a huge advocate of psychedelics in the correct ways in and in a medicinal way. Um, and there's ways to go about that. And there are ways, there, there are other avenues. This was my avenue that I chose. This was my yeah. personal decision of what I wanted to do. Um, I do firmly believe medication helps people. I know people who are medicated and they take pills every day and it's great and that's awesome. And I love that. And again, everyone's different. Everyone's mind's different. And I just felt like I remember when things weren't, crazy i remember when i felt like my mind wasn't wrong and you know granted that was when i was a kid when i was growing up and i don't know it's like i said it's just the path that i wanted to take and try to figure out myself and so far i've i've had a great experience and um you know i've had some some fights and disagreements and things like that and things have changed my life and granted i could probably be on medication and it make me a little bit more stable but I like being who I am and I like trying to just um do things a little bit different so <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I think don't, you I don't know how I can explain that but no you explained I, it wonderfully I, I think you should stay that way I, go out and like yo I'm gonna go like take I'm gonna go do LSD now and I try to change my life like it <laughs> like there, there no, are I totally I get like, there are precautions to it and I yes. did a ton of research and you know I, I don't know I just I figured this weird little path out and I would like to research it and study it more. And I see Colorado decriminalizing mushrooms now. So I see where I already see where it's going and I can't wait to when it actually gets to be more of a topic you can bring up in everyday society, you know, with everyday people. Um, but right now it's just, it's a very weird touchy subject because there's so much stigma behind all these things. And, um, it's from the 60s, you know, it's just, it, it was like, oh, if you took any of this, you're just kind of like a, a beat, you know, a mm -hmm. bum hippie. And I will say, yeah, bring up environment, but it wasn't until I had that first trip. I haven't taken like a large amount of psychedelics, like, and even one tab isn't a lot, but that one tab was the first time where it, it, it taught me something like the trip taught me something and tripping taught me your environment. Like we would go outside during that night and I would instantly start to feel weird. I would feel my mind start to have these weird looping thoughts and I can see where these things can be dangerous. I can see where people can get stuck in their mind. Um, and as soon as that happened, I would go inside, we'd turn on a music, we'd turn on music, we'd turn on cartoons and instantly I'd be happy. Um, and I just realized through that period, 
of, you know, your brain being that vulnerable and that sensitive that literally your environment is, it's controlling your mood. So if I'm out in the darkness, like I started to feel sad and dark and weird. But when I got inside and the Christmas lights were on and we started watching cartoons and playing music, it was, a, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was incredible. And I was like, wow. I was like, that has to, like, that has to be every day. Like every day, if you're in a toxic environment, you're in a toxic relationship, your mind's going to start feeling wrong. Like things are going to start feeling off and weird. That's exactly what it came back to you in your toxic environment before all this happened. That's an interesting yeah. full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. that's why I, I, <laughs> I always talk about environment. Yeah. If you're not happy, change it. Like get out of the job. Like I don't make that money anymore. <laughs> I haven't made that money since I was 25. Like um, I'm very like, very in debt right now and I live paycheck to paycheck and it's a struggle but I'm so much happier I'm so much happier brilliant brilliant you were talking about um routines that you do and um I I really struggle as a as a individual who struggles with um bipolar myself and I I, I am one of those people who does I do take medication every day. Um, yeah. When I do yeah. take it regularly, it helps. And when I don't, that's with that, I, I fall off, I really fall off the rail. And you were talking about routines that mm -hmm. kind of keep um, you out of, out of the red, I think. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of want to hear about those. Um, I'm not vegan, but I don't eat beef anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I have noticed a difference since then. Uh, I do eat a lot of chicken, but I, I try to eat a lot better. <laughs> I eat a ton of Chick-fil-A and that's not good, but <laughs> do is like, I notice my diet do trigger certain things. I do notice when I eat candy and I have those moments when I do smoke too much and I eat a whole box of cookies, like I feel terrible. And my, like my mind even feels foggy. Eating better has helped me tremendously. Um, Alcohol, anyone who has bipolar disorder, any kind of mood thing going on, alcohol is your enemy. Like you can't. Uh, I know. Not do it. <laughs> yeah. Even now, I still, there's still times where like I, I have started drinking again, but I didn't for three years or so. I will say like, yeah, if I want to get triggered, I just, I go drink a margarita. Like you're going to see a different side of me if I have a margarita and yeah. that's, I can't help that anymore. So <laughs> if I want to go have a margarita, I only go with certain people. I won't go and do things. Um, the only times where I've had an episode was because alcohol was involved. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm saying since, yeah. since my psychedelic experience for the past year or so, there's been some times where things have been weird and I've been out of control of myself and alcohol was involved during those times. Alcohol so. is, I, I did, I did an episode about alcohol and artistry and because it's something that I really, really struggle with. And I wanted to get your, since you, so you, um, somebody, we seem to agree on this. Um, I really want to ask you, sometimes we hide from our art because it makes us feel a lot. And you were talking about on your blog about the fear of feeling. And, um, I wanted to ask you, when it comes to alcohol, it can be kind of a, um, a, what's it called? It's, it's, it's like the social lubricant, but sometimes I, I'll use it to, um, 
some, sometimes people say, oh, I write so much better when I'm drunk. And yeah. I, about, about on the podcast um, that I talked about, no, you, you don't critique yourself when you're drunk, <laughs> you know, and um, it can be a you're way okay. of <laughs> being carefree and more confident when you're yeah. drunk. <laughs> you don't critique. So it, it can be a way of hiding, I think, um, when combining those, combining creation and alcohol. Um, so my question, long story short, how can we as artists and creatives, especially those of us who are neurodivergent, overcome our fear of emotion, I think, like our fear of actually feeling, quote unquote, too much. It was a lot. I'm sorry. Um, I would say, I just know there's a lot of things. When I went through that period when I was microdosing, I've, I've had to like really confront myself with things. Um, I had to realize I'm, I'm hard to be around sometimes. I can be a lot of energy. Um, especially if I'm in a more manic mood, I'm going to be really talkative and passionate. And, um, you know, I can probably be a little annoying. Um, I had to realize those things. I had to realize um, certain motives that I had um, and where those motives came from. Um, and sometimes those motives were rooted in pain and things that had um, really like made me experience pain. Um, mm -hmm. And I just had to, I had to learn to let go of those things during those times. And um, I think when you drink, you combine alcohol, it allows you to either A, feel it more or B, shut it out. Um, and usually it'll, you, usually you shut it out. Usually you drink yeah. to forget about it and to feel better. Um, so I would say until you're really ready to be serious with yourself and find out who you are, you got to take the steps to do what's better for yourself. Um, and a lot of people know drinking is not good for them. Um, and you just got to be ready to say, I don't need this in my life anymore. And it's obviously not helping me. And it's obviously just delaying the inevitable. There's going to be one day where you're going to face this pain and you can either talk about it and share it now and, um, deal with it now and connect with people and learn to communicate and realize that we're all, we're all messed up a little bit. We all experience pain. I think, you know, I think that's where our stories come from. And I think that's where, really that's where you're gonna be able to write your best is when you write from those emotions that you feel. Um, exactly. So I may have went in a little bit of a circle, <laughs> but. I followed you. I, I, went, I, went, I, went, I went with you, I went with you. So I don't know, I think, I think a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of people just gotta, we, we've all been through pain. We've all experienced things and we're either talking about it and, or we're not. And most of the time we're not. Um, and I think when you really share those stories with people, you're able to connect. Like the stories I shared today, like I, I had to mention some hard things and things I haven't said before, but it's going to open up people's minds in a different way. And there's going to be someone who may connect with it more. And exactly. be like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know there's someone out there that uses cannabis regularly and does psychedelics occasionally to remain stable and to get out of depressive funks and who also has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and believes in them. Um, 
we're out. I would never have heard those. And I think there's just there's so much stigma behind everything. There's so much judging. There's so much, um, so much of that going on, even in the Christian culture, that it's it's hard for anyone to ever want to be a part of it because they feel so broken and messed up. But it's like we're all broken. We're all messed up. We all experience painful things. So let's let's talk about it and share it and realize like we're we're all connected. Um, it's 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 all part of the process so because you were honest about it and you were honest with yourself i think and maybe the maybe the um the lsd kind of had to make forced your brain i guess maybe to be a little bit more open and oh my god you realized all of that all of those things and a lot of times we're not honest with ourselves i know i'm not you know and if we're not honest with ourselves we can't really be honest in our story with other people and I really appreciate that you have been so open and you were able to be because a lot of us are, are not able to be because we just don't have, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. Um, and even during that period, um, when I was, uh, microdosing and, um, I noticed things were, were kind of weird. Um, during that time, um, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, I had mentioned things weren't right with my marriage and, um, I don't know what it was, but I had just realized like, you know, I was changing. I was, I was doing things to fix myself and, um, I had realized I hadn't been the best husband. Um, right. I honestly, when I got diagnosed, I became obsessed with my disorder. Um, I became obsessed with fixing it and trying to get be whatever normal is. Um, I knew I wasn't in control. I knew something was wrong and I just wanted it to be back to the way it was. Um, so I just, I became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with figuring it out. Um, I was on medication and I was off of it. I was moody. I was suicidal. So <laughs> imagine, you know, being in your, your first two years of marriage going through all that, it's going to be extremely tough. Um, and I wasn't the best. Um, I could have been a lot better. Um, but during those six weeks, I really, really focused on being a better person and being a better husband. Um, I just realized something was off still. Um, and I had quit, actually quit microdosing because at the end of the time, I had confronted my wife and just was like, you know, is there, is there something else going on? Um, and long story short, I had, you know, found out that, um, you know, she had been unfaithful and, um, yeah. I had realized, you know, we had both kind of let our marriage fail. Um, and we decided to try to work through it. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we really both put in the effort then either. And um, I had decided I came to her last August and, you know, I had said, you know, I think we should, I think we should split up um, and separate. I think it is healthiest for both of us to do that. Um, and so we ended up getting a divorce in October. Um, so a lot of my EP is really, you know, written from just everything I went through. It's not all written about my marriage and my divorce, but um, I would say, you know, some emotions were pulled from that um, and pulled from, you know, friendships that I lost and um, all of that. So, um, yeah, it was... Um, it was a weird year last year. <laughs> but I, went through, I went through a lot of pain and that's why, you know, I kind of titled my EP share your pain because 
I knew I would talk about this at one point and um, I think it again it's just being more real and honest and I will say we like me and her still have a relationship and our relationship is honestly the best it's ever been <laughs> I've like we've had we've had closure and we're still you know we still communicate we still hang out um, we still see each other weekly um, and yeah I don't know I think I think maybe we needed the divorce and I don't know what's going to happen between us but um, I will say through going through all of it we were able to be honest with each other after it and we were able to both um, you know realize where we messed up and um, I've just kind of worked to just have progress in our relationship and uh, I think that in itself isn't normal <laughs> in today's society. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if, you know, it may be tied to my faith as well, but yeah, I think there is something tied with faith and mental health and just life in general. Um, and yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I know that 2018 wasn't a good year for most. <laughs> it was not my best <laughs> <laughs> Not my best moment either. Um, but it seems like you really kind of stepped into um, a new place in 2019, I think, from with especially with this EP and with you're kind of taking all the things that you realized about yourself through um, mm -hmm. your, your micro dosing and through all those experiences and stepping out as a completely, I think, bigger picture. I think a more of, more of a complete picture, and I think that's really that's exactly what I'm looking for. You know, I'm mm -hmm. looking towards. Um, yeah. So my my last question, my signature question, and thank you so much. You've been absolutely so honest and so amazing. Um, I I love asking this question because my tag at the end relates to it how have you created beautiful things so far in 2019 and what are your plans to continue to create beautiful things this year um i will say um i released my ep this year and i think yes. it's a beautiful project that came out on the 31st of may um i'm already almost at 50,000 streams on it sweet uh, this it's all going super well um and i will say after for any artists like that you know we all create um and to keep creating the there's something awesome about finally releasing a project and i think because it was related to pain as well i feel like when you share your pain you're really able to let it go um i feel like a, a different like a burden's been lifted now that I've released it. Um, I was so anxious about releasing it. I've had it done since January. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and it's, it's all been me independently and it was uh, produced by a guy named Moonside. Um, and it was co-written by my, me and uh, my best friend, Anderson Duncan and engineered by a guy named Lane Johnson. He mixed and mastered it as well. And okay. Uh, yeah, it was just, it, there's, I don't know. There's like you said that that was a beautiful thing I did. There's something beautiful about just finally releasing it and getting it out there. And then um, next is just continuing to create music. I, I have maybe six or seven demos um, already. 
and um, I've got music videos that are about to come out. Um, and yeah, I think just the one thing I'm going to continue to do is continue writing and um, I think I always kind of write about pain and emotions and things like that, but um, I would like to try to create some more happy music at some point this year. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's the thing I look forward to doing at some point. Yeah. I'm not a happy music person myself. <laughs> I think it has something to do with um, our, you know, our mental health history. I think it's just, yeah. it's, yeah. it's not always there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I need to aspire to that. Did one question. Um, so you're not, you're not signed to a label. No, no. I see I'm, that you tag uh, um, AWOL though. That's your distributor. Yeah, I did get accepted to go through AWOL. Yeah, because um, they have to, they have to, you have, they have to accept you. That's, yep. that's yep. awesome. That is super cool. How, how, what, what, what was your strategy for getting 50,000 streams? <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, finding and building relationships with independent uh, playlisters. Playlisters. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. That's how you do it. Oh my goodness. I have to, I have to start doing that because I'm, my goodness. All right. I, I went, I went off on there, but I was just, I was so interested. I am so grateful to you for all of this. This has been amazing. And I want to thank everyone listening, all of you creators out there joining me today on this episode of Mind Made Wrong. This was an interview with Matt Mulkey. You can find his new music, new EP, Share Your Pain, wherever you listen. He's Mulkey, spelled M-O-L-E-K-E-Y, like he said, a mole from the ground, and then, or on your face, and a key <laughs> that you use to open the door. And um, that's where we can find you, right, Matt? It's, yeah, um, yeah, that's it. Okay. And on Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah, it's just Mulkey Music. Mulkey Music. Okay. And that's your, that's your, that's, that's also the Mulkey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. So easy. Okay, my friends, I am so excited to see you next week for another brilliant interview. But until then, let's go create beautiful things. I know you will. Thank you so much again, Matt. Bye-bye.